Again, glad that you're here today. Glad you made the effort to be here. I want to encourage you every single week uh, not to just come, but to think about who you can invite, who you can bring with you. I want to see our men's lunch continue to grow. So every single week, every single Thursday, think about who you can bring to join you. We're going to continue in our Bible study. We're in 1 John today. The question for today is this. Do you believe God hears and answers prayer? Do you believe God hears and answers prayer? And maybe a, a different question is this. Do you believe God hears and answers your prayers? Do you believe God hears and answers your prayers? Do you, do you feel like you have a powerful prayer life? Do you feel like that when you pray that you, you know that God hears you? That, that you know that he is going to show you grace and he is a powerful God and you're going to see powerful results to your prayer life. Do you know that you have a powerful prayer life? Is that what you feel like when you think about your prayer life? Or is it something else? Maybe it's, maybe it's just wishful thinking. Does it ever feel like, well, I'm just wishful thinking and I go through my prayer life and I'm just, I'm just speaking a bunch of wishful thoughts into the air? Or, or do you think, well, maybe I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I know I should pray. I've been taught to pray. And so I'm just going through these motions, but I really don't expect to see any change. And I really never do see any change, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Is that what you feel about your prayer life? Or... Again, is your prayer life a powerful thing? You know that God hears you. You know that God is graceful and powerful and he shows tremendous mercy through your prayer. Uh, question is this today, what is the key to a powerful prayer life? And that's our question. What is the key to a powerful prayer life? And we're actually going to see the answer today. Sometimes you, you wonder and you think about something and you, and you leave and maybe you have a better understanding. We're going to have the truth today, the biblical answer. What is the key to you having a powerful prayer life? We're going to see it in our verses today. We're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. I want to encourage you, if you, if you have your Bible, bring your Bible. Uh, going verse by verse through this study in 1 John. Today we're in 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. What is the key to you having a powerful prayer life? Let me read the verses. Verse 21 says this, Beloved, talking to Christians, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Listen to verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments... And do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Let me read those two verses again. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now let me start with the part of that, those verses that stand out. It's this. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. And I think that's the part that, that, that stands out when we read across those verses. That is, that is the promise of God. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Now, it's not just here. In, in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, it says this. Jesus is speaking. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Another verse, John chapter 15, verse 16. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. It says similar versions of the same thing other places as well. Here's the question. 
Does that mean what it says? Maybe a different question. Has that been your experience? Have you been able to say, you know what, I pray, and whatever I pray, I see God answer, and, and whatever I ask, that's what comes to, to fruition through my prayer life. Has that been your experience? Can you say, you know what, when I pray, God answers, and whatever I ask in the name of Christ, that's what I see. Is, is that your experience? Maybe a better question is this. Is that how it works? Is that really how it works? How come I don't have the car I want to have and the, the things I want to have and the, and the house that I want to live in? How come these things that I asked for didn't exactly happen in that manner? Is that actually how it works? It seems like a complicated thing all of a sudden, but the question still comes back to the, to the basic thing, and that is this. So what is the key to having a powerful prayer life? If, if the Bible actually says anything, all things, ask in the name of Christ, if it actually says that, then what is the key to having a powerful prayer life? Is that really how it works? Well, let's look at the verses. Remember the context. John has been talking about the false. Remember, false teachers have sprung up in the church. It's such a threat to the church that he's come and he's written this letter to answer that. But he has been talking about the false. He's been talking about the false teachers. He's been talking about the false teachings and then he's been talking about those who've been pulled astray and who are following those false teachers and their false teachings. He's been talking about, really, the last couple chapters, how can you know the difference between the truth and the false? If this is a threat and the, the false teachers have come, how can you tell the difference in a false teacher and a teacher of the truth? If there is a teaching, how do you know the difference between the teaching of truth and the teaching that is false. And then these that are being misled, how do you identify those that are following the false? And so he's, he's given us some time into to how to identify the false. Now he said it's, it's evident. There's a couple of ways. Number one, they uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's not a, a portion of the gospel, not a piece of the gospel, but it's the entirety of the gospel. And so he says, if you want to know the truth, they're going to uphold the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then he says, not only that, but in the person, you can see that their lives are different. And they, they, they hate the world. They love the things of God. And so he says, if you see a person and they're drawn to the things of the world and they're participating in the things of the world and yet professing the things of God, he calls them a liar. They're not of God. There is a difference. There's a difference in priorities of a follower of Jesus Christ. So he says, it's evident. They uphold the gospel. It's evident. Their lives are different. Then last week, remember our verses from last week, he says their conscience inside of them confirms with them. And so he says, you know what? When you're pleasing God, your, your inner man knows that. When you're living in rebellion to God, your inner man knows that as well. It's how we're built in the image of God. And so he says your conscience confirms the truth that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so he's given us these ways to discern a false teacher and a, and a teacher of truth, a person that's following falsehood and a person that's following the truth. And then in that context, we come to verse 21. Listen to it again. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, I want you to see this important verse. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. The word confidence in the original language, the Greek language, means boldness. It actually means this in its core, the freedom to speak what you're actually thinking. Sometimes we think, well, God doesn't need to know that about me. 
or, or I don't want to say that and embarrass myself before God. Let me tell you, God knows all things anyway. And this tells us if you are a follower of Christ, you have boldness to enter into God's presence. You have boldness to speak your mind before God in your prayer. In the book of Hebrews, it says, we come to the throne of grace and we come to it in boldness, in confidence. Well, John says this, if you are saved, you can have confidence, you can have boldness before God. And so that's the first thing today, and that's this. It is a big thing, and it is a hard thing, and it's not a popular thing, but let me just tell you what it is, and it's this. If you are not saved, God does not hear your prayers, period, any of them. If you are not saved, God does not hear your prayers. It doesn't matter how dire your situation is. Sometimes, well, this is a dire situation. He's going to hear that prayer. It doesn't matter how heartfelt it is. It doesn't matter how desperate you've become. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not saved, God does not hear your prayers. Listen, the prayer relationship, now listen to this, is only between the Father and his children. Remember the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6? Our Father which art in heaven. The prayer relationship is between the Father, God, and his children. Well, folks today say, well, aren't we all children of God? Aren't all people children of God? And that's, that's the general thought today. Listen to what John chapter 1 verse 12 says. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God even those who believe in his name. Now, what that means is this. We become children of God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. He is our father. We are his children by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. It's not popular. Let me tell you this. God doesn't hear the prayer of a Mormon. God doesn't hear the prayer of a Muslim. God doesn't hear the prayer of anybody who's not put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If they do not have a relationship with Christ, they are not a child of God. So here's the first thing John says. If you are saved, you can come in confidence before God. I think that's kind of a goofy thing. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I know where I've failed. And yet the Bible says if I'm saved, I can come with confidence before a holy God. What an awesome thing he says. You know what? If, you're, if your spirit doesn't condemn you, if you know that you're saved, you can come before a holy God. He hears your prayers. Now, let me tell you the second part of that. It's, it's maybe bigger than that, and that is this. First is this. God doesn't hear a lost person's prayer. Second is this. God doesn't hear the prayers of a person who is actively, unrepentantly living, existing in sin. He doesn't hear their prayer. Now, I want you to listen to that very carefully, not misunderstand that. We are all sinners, all of us. Every person here, we've sinned. We are all sinners. But listen, if we are actively, unsorrowfully, unrepentantly in sin, God doesn't hear our prayer. Psalm verse 66, verse 18 says this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, what that means is this. If I know something is a sin, and if God's word has made it clear that this is a sin, you pick it. 
If I know this is a sin, God's word has made it clear it's a sin. If the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me has, has convicted me this is a sin, and if I choose to disregard the, the testimony of God's word, if I choose to go on and ignore the conviction of God's spirit and to participate and to be active in that sin and really just to say, you know what, God can get over it. It's, it's, so, it's so small and I've reconciled it. God can overlook it. If that is the attitude of my heart that hinders my relationship with God, and it hinders my ability to pray. God does not hear my prayer. Now, let me, let me say this. Today, we wonder why it seems like there's no power in prayer. I read those verses, and I wonder how many of us go, well, you know what, I, I don't know that I exactly see that. Whatever we ask in his name, it shall be done. I don't know if I, I really believe that. We wonder why there's no power in prayer today. We wonder why it seems like it's some superstition with no real result. We wonder why it feels like maybe we're just going through the motions. Be sure if we have not and we will not deal with the sin in our life, ask God to forgive us of that sin in our life, we might as well keep our prayers to ourselves. It's that clear. That's what he's saying here. You know what? We, we, we come around to the church and we say, you know what? In my personal life and in my home and in the church, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I don't care if it's wrong. And you know what? I've reconciled this and the rest of the culture is doing that. And we act like God's going to eat those things and then we're going to come up and say, God, but I have this petition for you. Listen, it says if you have active sin that you haven't repented of, that you're not sorrowful for, God does not hear our prayer. The last verse 22 says, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, I want you to understand that, that sounds a little bit goofy there. It says he hears our prayers, whatever we ask, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, understand, that's not saying that we do good and so God hears our prayers. What this means, these two verses in context, in fact, all the verses in context, what it means is this. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are led by the word of God. As Christians, we're obedient to the leading of where God has led us in his word, and it shows in our obedience. And if that is the truth of our life, we can have confidence that God hears our prayers. You see what that's saying? You know what? I'm different. My priority set's different. I walk in obedience. And because I'm obedient, because I have a faith in Christ, I can have confidence that God hears my prayers. What it means is this, and let's just be very simple. Obedience is the sign and the evidence and the fruit of your faith. Well, I believe this. Well, let me tell you something. It shows up in your obedience. Well, I believe Jesus Christ is the only way. I believe he died on the cross to, to forgive me of my sin. The only hope I have, it shows up in your obedience. Obedience is the fruit, the evidence of your faith. And so John says here, when you're living in obedience, because of your faith, you can pray and you can expect God will hear and God will act upon your prayers. That's the sure promise of God. That's what he wanted them to know. When you, when you pray, and you're obedient because of your faith. You can have confidence God hears your prayers. John 15, 7 says it like this. If you, Jesus is speaking, if you abide in me and my words in you, isn't that what it just said? You have faith in Christ and you're obedient because you have faith in Christ. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. John says this in these two verses. 
we have this great promise. If we are saved, if we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, if we're then living in that faith and we're walking in obedience because of that faith in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, we have the great honor and privilege and resource to pray to the living God of the universe. He hears our prayers and he's powerful in his response. Friends, let me just sum it up like this. I don't know about you, but let me just say this for me. I need God to hear my prayers. I I can't stand, I can't make it without God hearing my prayers. And let me just tell you, I need to hear from him. And I I need his guidance. And I need his voice in my life. And I I need the strength that would come from a living God. I need the, the resources of God that possesses all things. And so let me tell you, I have to seek his forgiveness. I have to repent very quickly of my sin. I have to walk in obedience that my prayer life might be powerful. Man, if we knew what we were forfeiting, if we knew what we were missing, if we knew what power is available to us, I think we'd quickly say this, you know what, I need to abide in Christ. You know what, I I can't walk in this sin. I need my prayers to be heard. And we would quickly repent and ask God to forgive us and we would abide in Christ, that we would be powerful in prayer. Pretty simple formula. You know what? Put your faith in Christ. You know what? Abide in Christ. You want a powerful prayer life? Walk in obedience because of the faith that is in your heart. Two responses to these verses. And the first one is this. If you're not saved, you know what? You ought to get saved. I've just started saying that. You know what? If you're not saved, you ought to get saved. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you haven't been forgiven of your sins by the work of Christ and the cross, you ought to be saved. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. If we are saved, Us in this room, if you would count yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ, we ought to live out that faith in obedience. You know, we shouldn't be driven by the popular culture. We shouldn't be driven by political correctness. We shouldn't be driven by the the culture that's going one direction. My call is this. You know what? If you're saved, walk out your faith in obedience to Jesus Christ. Live according to the truth of his word. You want to have a powerful prayer life? It's not a, a mystical, special prayer. It is obedience to Christ lived out. He answers our prayers. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. During Father, we come today, and I'm thankful that right now that you hear our prayers. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to secure it. It came through Christ. We come today, and the men in this room, the people in this room, we are sinners. We know the right thing. We do the wrong thing. We know what we ought to stop doing. We keep doing it. We are sinners, but you love us, and you show us grace through the cross of Calvary, the forgiveness of our sins. The first thing we do is we thank you for that. We praise you for that. I'm thankful we can walk out of here secure in a restored relationship with the Holy God because of Christ. I pray for some in this room that maybe haven't made that decision. I pray that in the the hearing of the good news, grace is available right now that they might turn and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then I pray for us in this room as men that are pulled in every direction, men that are lied to and told there's something better, there's something bigger, that there's a different idea of success. I pray that astounded by the salvation we have in Christ, that we would walk in obedience because of our faith. Shape us like that. Let us be different in our homes. Let us be different in our marriages. Let us be different in our jobs. Help us to abide with you, in you, 
And then I pray that in that, that the privilege of our answered prayer would also be for your glory. I come and I pray for, the, again, the men here, bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, renew them. I pray for the, the teachers and the coaches that are here today. I pray as they go interact with kids that they would stand as an example. They would preach the truth of, of a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Help them as they move into a new year. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.